Welcome. I'm Kristen, and this is the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast, where I talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, knitting, what I'm reading and watching, and even a little bit about keeping a cozy, organized home. You can find me online at my blog, Simple Handmade Everyday, at kristenesser.com, or on Instagram at kristenesser. I've got my cup of tea in hand, so let's settle in for a chat. Welcome to episode seven. I'm so excited to be here. I'm sitting here with my Trader Joe's well-rested tea. It's kind of like a chamomile blend, just tea bags. But I've been feeling a little bit under the weather the last couple of days, and I drink a lot of tea, but too much caffeine, um, kind of just, or or too much black tea kind of irritates my stomach, makes me a little jittery. So I've got this kind of nice tea that I sometimes drink at night. And um, it's more than just chamomile tea. I actually want to pull a tea bag out so I could tell you what was in it, but I have thrown away the box and it's not on the tea bag. But it's um, it's like just really nice and comforting and it feels good on my throat. I've got a little bit of sore throat and a big headache, but this is my date with you guys on this day every other Tuesday. And so I feel compelled to to record because I want to, not because I have to, but I enjoy it. So so that's my my tea for the for the day. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Um, I hope you enjoy and there's a few other episodes for you to check out if you feel so inclined. And for those of you who have listened before, welcome back. I truly appreciate you sharing this time with me. As a matter of fact, I wanted to just give a little bit of a shout out to some of my the faithful commenters. I love comments, people. I love them because it's it feels like a, um, I want it to be like a conversation. I want to build a little community here. So I just really appreciate when people stop and, um, and comment on the post. So first of all, Michelle from Cole and Taffy, who makes absolutely beautiful things, you guys. If you don't follow Cole and Taffy on Instagram, you totally should. She is my kindred spirit, and thank you for so faithfully commenting on probably every episode. Um, I, I love it, and so thank you for that. Quilt and Jenny, Francis, Vicky, thank you so much. Um, who else do I have here? I'm scrolling. Yeah, I guess that's, that's mostly it. Um, so thank you again, and um, I... Didn't get any new reviews since last podcast, so please, um, if you feel so inclined, head over to iTunes and um, give me a review so that this podcast shows up for people who are searching for quilty, nitty, cozy podcasts. And um, I do. there are a few more ratings, but I don't know who those are from, so thank you if you did that. I appreciate that very much. Let's talk about what's been happening around here. I'm in that period of time when you have a senior in high school and school is out in like six weeks and things are just insane. It's all prom and grad night. And if you've ever had a kid or, you know, I kind of experienced this as the kids, you know, left preschool or elementary school or middle school, it is, everything is the last time. So for instance, Jonah just finished up the spring musical. And this is something that we've been going to for years because my daughter, Chloe was very involved in musical show production, was always involved in the spring musical at the high school, um, acting in it. And then later on in her junior and senior year, she just really found her passion for producing and directing those kinds of shows and Jonah is the musician and he's in been in the pit orchestra so he played guitar when they did Grease 
and he did um, he played guitar for Les Mis last year, which was amazing. And this year's play is Into the Woods. Um, we watched the uh, you know, movie version of it once we found out that's what it was because I was unfamiliar with it. And it is not my favorite musical. It's, I feel like people feel like it is their favorite musical or it's totally not. I don't feel like there's a lot of middle ground on this. The songs are not as catchy. I mean, when you just come off Les Mis with kids who can really sing, which they really had kids who could sing, Into the Woods is just, um, you know, the songs aren't as catchy. The story is not as compelling. But that said, these kids did a beautiful job. And Jonah has been, um, basically since spring break, three straight weeks of coming home at 10 o'clock at night, most nights. And of course this is going to happen is that, you know, a few weeks in here, because there was a, they call it tech week where it's just all the crazy dress rehearsals the week before opening night. And then there's like five shows the opening week and another five the second week. It's insane. And so as is going to happen, somebody gets sick and then you've got 150 kids that are all working so closely for so many hours and they all start getting sick. And so last week Jonah was sick, but he just had no choice, right? The the show must go on. He lost his voice. I just kept saying, well, just be grateful that you're not one of the singers. That... So he was playing stand-up bass. He plays stand-up bass in the, in the live music or- orchestra for this. And then the last show was Saturday night and then I feel like he just let go and then he got so sick on Sunday and so sick on Monday and he's back to school today but he's now passed it on to me (laughs) and so um you know that's just the way it is but so that was just like it's like we have to say that's like the last spring musical the last jazz competitions are coming up you know the last marching band competitions were a while and it's everything it's just so heightened emotionally and um, he made his college decision he's going to be going to uh, university of california san diego uc san diego which is where chloe is which i think is a great place for him but i do find it amusing because chloe and jonah could not be more different kids i used to joke when they were little that you would make a meal and you could just split it up between them there's there's almost like no overlap of what they like and and that's still sort of true chloe's all about cheese jonah hates cheese jonah's all about you know like asian food and rice based dishes chloe hates all that (laughs) jonah's all about meat chloe's a vegetarian you know it's it's hilarious so it is kind of funny to me that they ended up at the same school It's a big school with lots of different majors, and I think that it was a really great choice for each of them individually, and it makes things really nice for us (laughs) that they're, you know, they can come back home on the train together. Ironically, Chloe will actually be in Norway for semester next year, so she won't be there when he gets there, but I can talk that into being a good thing in that he'll have his own space to make this school his own and not the school that his sister goes to, but I'm just really glad that... The decision is done and I think that it was a really good choice. So all things senior year continue to overwhelm my life, including the fact that I had Jonah's senior picture done back in January. Like he had the one done for the yearbook, which I never get those. And so he, we had this photographer that we've used since the kids were little and we did these outside shots and they're really cool. And I needed one for a little yearbook thing which I got, but I still have not made the decisions. They've been sitting there for months just for me to pick the ones that I want to have developed. And I have this mental block against sitting down to do that. And I really need to, because I need to make announcements. But um, I don't, do you have those kinds of things where I'm just, 
procrastinating in reality I know that I have kind of starred the ones that I liked on my first pass because you know it's like there's 150 of them and I just am overwhelmed it took me over a year to do my wedding album so I'm just I'm not good at making these decisions but I need to sit down and do that but I'm sick this week so this is obviously not the week (laughs) to do that but um yeah, it's it's a fun time and it's an exciting time, but it's also really bittersweet. And I had a moment where I woke up in the middle of the night and kind of had a panic that, oh my gosh, Jonah's going away to school, you know? So, um, but I like to tell myself in these situations where I start to get really sad about the fact that my kids are growing up that everything went right. He's going away to college. Chloe went away to college because everything went right. And that's what I have to tell myself. And that is a blessing. So before I start to cry, let's move on. (laughs) So let's just talk some quilting first, shall we? Since last we spoke, I finished the pineapple quilt. Yay! And I had a really fun time with it. I don't think I'd finished it last time I recorded. I'm not 100% sure, to be honest with you. And then I finished the Quilts for Cure charity quilt. That came together so quickly. I may have finished those last time, which just tells you how little I've done. But what I did do was baste both of those quilts. And I hate to baste quilts, so that actually is quite a coup for me. And I did it a little bit differently this time. So I know that I've talked about that I made this design wall which I wish was two feet wider. I don't need it to be four feet wider. I just need it to be two feet wider. And so it's up against my china cabinet and I wanted to try basting the quilt on the design wall. So Krista Quilts and um, Krista Watson from Krista Quilts and um, Jackie Gearing from Tall Prairie Grass Studio. Do I have that right? Um, they have both actually posted tutorials on how to do this and I mean there's it's not complicated Francis on at the off-kilter quilt recently did this too so I decided to give this a try I did take pictures and I'll write up a brief blog post about it but you know let's be honest it's mostly common sense so what I did is um, design wall up and these both of these quilts were a little bit small so that even though the, um, the the back hung off the edges it was okay it would not work for a much bigger quilt. So I put the um, back end of the quilt wrong side up on the design wall and smoothed it out really nice, which is so much nicer than trying to tape it to the floor. Then I put a sheet outside and brought the batting that was trimmed to size, you know, a little bit smaller than the backing, outside, laid it on the sheet, and sprayed it with the spray baste which was trickier than it sounded because it was a little windy and the dog kept sitting on it. (laughs) But I did it, which is better than what I usually do, which is spray it in the house, which I know is a terrible idea. So then I brought that in and I put it up um, on the design wall. If I'd had two people, it would have been better, but no one was around. And so sticky side to the quilt back. And then I just took my big quilting ruler. It's like um, six by 24 or something. And I just smoothed it out. And it's just so much easier to smooth out when it's vertical than when you are crawling around on it, you know, on the ground, it just worked so, it was so much faster. And then I did the same thing. I took the quilt top, I took it outside, laid it on the sheet, wrong side up, sprayed it with the um, spray based, which I use uh, 505. And and spray basting is kind of expensive, um, but I just really hate pinning. So once I discovered it, I, I was all over it. 
even though I resisted at first because I didn't think it seemed natural. <laughs> so idealistic. But now I, I totally love it. And my friend Holly Ann over at String and Story has a homemade spray-based um, tutorial made with like flour and, I don't know, starch or something. Sorry, Holly Ann. But um, so that's an option. But you know what? I'm sometimes lazy. So 505 is what's for me. Sprayed that, brought it in. Again, um, just set it up there. Two people would have been nice, and then because it kept falling down on me, but then once I got it up, just smoothed it out, and it was great. And then what I like to do, and I got this trick from, again, Krista Watson, is that she then irons it. And I, I like to usually iron the backside first so that when I iron the front, there's nothing possible. It can't accidentally get you know, creased or something. Like if it accidentally got a little creased on the back, it would be the end of the world. But I actually decided to iron it up on the design wall. Crazy, right? I was ironing on a vertical surface. So I just moved, luckily I've got a plug over there and um, it just worked out so well. I just ironed it. I actually did dig up somebody to come and take a picture of me, of my hand ironing for the tutorial. And then I took it off the design wall and then ironed the backside. But the whole thing was so fast. I did two in a row and it was amazing. So I've not made a lot of progress on quilting those, but the actual basting on the vertical surface was a dream. So I'm very happy about that. So my plan quilting wise, was to quilt the charity quilt first and really get warmed up on my free motion quilting. And if you've seen the pictures, it's um, hearts, it's a quilt of hearts. Some are navy, some are yellow, some are white. And I was sent navy thread and the backing and, and borders are navy. So I was sent navy thread. So I did some free motion, even practiced swirls on the navy hearts to begin with. And I'm just breaking thread for every heart. It's like, I'm not trying to be super efficient with this. I just really wanted to get warmed up. I made a little cheat sheet of all the motifs I knew and started quilting. The swirl swirls were kind of a disaster as they always are for me. I don't know what my deal is there, but it didn't really matter because it's gonna be all texture. It was navy on navy. As a matter of fact, as much as I love a blending thread when I'm quilting, it can create a bit of a problem with seeing where you've quilted. So I had my daylight slimline lamp just like two inches above it, just shining directly on because navy thread, navy fabric. It was so hard to see. I had my reading glasses on, like everything I could do to, to really see that. And I, it was it was difficult. But now I'm at a little bit of a standstill with that quilting because what I have left to quilt are the yellow and white hearts with navy thread. And that is scaring the bejeebers out of me. Now what I want to do is switch to yellow thread and leave the navy on the back. So if I switch to yellow thread entirely, then I'm gonna have this highly contrasting thread on the back. Uh, so I'd like to, to have the, the light on the top and the navy on the bottom, but we all know that tension wise, that is, you need per absolutely perfect tension for the navy thread to not poke up to the top or the light thread to poke through to the bottom. And I'm just frankly not brave enough to quilt with navy thread on a yellow heart. So I'm, I'm at a standstill <laughs> and this is gonna be due soon. I need to get it back to them to Quilts for Cure. Um, so I'm just kind of, uh, you know, I'm procrastinating badly. 
And um, so, so that's where I am there. But I am rescued because I have another piecing project. So I showed in one of my stories, Instagram stories last week, that um, I got a package of the new winter line from Minky Kim called Winter Tales, and it is so cute. I don't know if you've ever seen her fabric, but you know she, she does all the great sewing illustrations, and she just has this beautiful, adorable drawing style, and it is so reflected in her fabric. So I'm looking at it right now, and there are Christmas trees and penguins and foxes and... Um, that's all I can see. That's all I can see from where I'm sitting, but they're just so cute. So I'm doing a quilt for a magazine, so I can't say too much about it, but it's going to be like super cute and um, it involves equilateral triangles and I've come up with quite a few tips on how to cut and piece those um, in a, a way that's a lot easier because there's a lot of bias edges with equilateral triangles. So I'm really excited about that. I need to um, get started on that. It's like due in about six weeks. So I have to, I've got to get moving. So I'm not going to be able to darn it, probably do a lot of quilting. Although I have both of my sewing machines set up. So I've got my Juki set up with the Navy thread so that when I get brave enough, I can quilt and I pull the baby lock out of the closet and, um, and that is, I'm going to do my piecing on that. I've missed that little machine. I really like it. I love my Juki, but you know, there's a lot of good things about the baby lock too. So I've got them both set up in the sewing room and that's kind of unusual for me, but I'm really looking forward to that. Also sewing wise, I have uh, started hand piecing again. I was obsessed with hand piecing last year. And then you know what happened is I got obsessed with knitting. And there's only a certain amount of time that I have for handwork, you know. I don't work on a ton of handwork during the day. It's kind of an evening thing or a sit outside on the patio kind of thing. And um, I just kind of lost traction with it. But over a year ago, I started this hand piecing project. It was the Fat Quarter Shop Patchwork Along. And it was an adorable... Um, quilt designed by I believe Bonnie and Camille and I'm using all Bonnie and Camille fabrics on it and the 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 blocks are small like I don't know I'm gonna say that they finish at five inches something like that so all the you know some of the pieces many of the pieces are finished at an inch and when I first started doing it um, on the machine or actually maybe I never tried it on the machine but I thought to myself oh gosh you're gonna have to be really accurate with this to get this all for these blocks to finish at the right size and I'd been kind of looking for a hand piecing project and this seemed like the perfect one so I set out to do this they would release one block a month it was a charity thing so you paid for the pattern by making a, a donation to St. Jude's which I did and you, then you made six of those same blocks every month. And that seemed pretty doable. And I kept up with it really well for most of the year. Like There were times I would fall a month behind. Um, some of the blocks went faster than others. But really by the, about November, I was in really good shape on it. And then December, the December blocks came out. And then I like rediscovered knitting. So those December blocks are not done. And they're the, I think they are the only blocks I haven't done. So I finished marking them up last night and I'm really, cause I, I actually draw the seam allowance on the backside of everyone. And someday I hope to either learn to eyeball it or just to kind of place little dots or something. But I find I have better success if I just take the time to mark them out, which is just something I do, you know, during while I'm watching TV or something. So I'm excited about getting going on that again. 
I was actually had these big plans in 2018 to do a series of YouTube tutorials on how to handpiece. And because I think it, it has the same mental benefits that knitting does, just that working with your hands quietly, no machine. It's very portable. There's just so many good things about handwork. So I was going to do that. Um, and I may still, basically, I either had to do those YouTube tutorials or start this podcast. And I started, decided to start the podcast. But now that this is kind of on the rails, maybe I'll go back to that. I actually did post this um, video uh, on my YouTube channel, which does not have very many things, but it's like how hand, how hand piecing can save your sanity. And it just talks, it's just kind of this, this a video where I am just, you know, sewing and just kind of talking about how I'd had a bad day and how grounding something like handwork is. I'll put a link in the show notes, but, um, if, you know, again, I've, I've got, I got a pretty good response to, um, people wanting some hand piecing videos. There's really not that many out there. So um, I'm going to get that back on the to-do list. Let me know in the comments, comment people, if that's something that you would be interested in learning a little bit about, about hand piecing. But I'm excited to get that project kind of, you know, out of the project bag and back uh, in the forefront. And part of the reason I'm excited about that is that knitting has, I've just kind of lost my knitting mojo a little bit. Still totally working on those navy um, winter frost socks and I'm now uh, about to turn the heel and I was going to do that on Sunday when I was just feeling really restless and couldn't um, kind of settle into anything later that night I realized that I was getting sick and that's probably why I was feeling so so funky but I just did not have the mental energy to turn the heel on that sock which is so funny because it's not that hard but could not do that so you know I'm plugging away on that um and that's about the only knitting I've done. I just don't know, Chloe, if I'm going to get all those things knitted for Norway that I promised you, if you're listening, which I know she's not. But who knows? These, um, you know, the motivation for these different types of projects, they come and go. And so it's nice to have something to choose from. I really prefer to be very monogamous with my projects. But when you, like, just lose your mojo, it's good to have something else to turn to. So, so not a, t- a lot to talk about in the knitting world. So let's talk a little bit about books and what I've been reading. A week or so ago, I posted a review on a book called You Can Stay Home With Your Kids. And I admit, as a mother of a 15-year-old, 18-year-old, and 20-year-old, this seemed like kind of a weird choice for me. But when I saw that book, I just have to say that this is a subject very close to my heart. And really the book a lot is a lot about um, being frugal, figuring out ways to save money so that it is financially possible. And this reminded me so much of when I made the decision to um, stay home with um, when Chloe was born. And you can you can read the blog post. I won't I won't reiter- reiterate the whole thing here, but I did want to just kind of call out one section. So in that post, I have a picture of me and my three kids on my 37th birthday, and I am completely bald. And that's because I was in the middle of breast cancer treatment. And I got such a positive response from people. I posted that picture on Instagram and I got such a positive response from people about, um, you know, I'd kind of forgotten how much people who have had breast cancer really like to hear survivor stories, especially people who were farther out than them. And I knew that was true of me. um, And I'd kind of forgotten that. And I don't talk very much about the breast cancer. It's like, 
just something something that happened, um, you know, and it's it's in the past. And believe it or not, there are many blessings to having had cancer. But I just thought I would briefly kind of just tell that story. And one of these days, I'll I'll write it up. Maybe you know, like the anniversary of my diagnosis, which is in November. I'll I'll do a more in depth thing. But just to encourage you guys to get your mammograms and do your self-checks. So just briefly, um, my mom died of breast cancer when she was 49. And she was first diagnosed when she was, I think, 36 and had a mastectomy, um, did, was not given chemo. That was not kind of the way they treated it then. Five years later, she was given a clean bill of health. Well, a year after that, she had breast cancer on the other side. Same treatment, mastectomy, no chemo follow-up, no radiation. Five years later, got a clean bill of health. A year later, she had cancer everywhere. And, um, you know, she lived for a couple more years after that. This was not a huge surprise because her mother died of breast cancer when she was 42. And my mom comes from a family of 10 kids. And it's, and I have since been tested. I have the gene, obviously. You know, this gene runs in this family. Considering the fact that there are six girls in this family, um, very few have actually ended up with cancer. We actually have, I have a cousin who died young of breast cancer, but she didn't even have the gene. That was just like bad luck. So I feel like this gene has just run straight down from my grandmother to my mother to me. And um, so I was obviously, you know, on alert. Uh, you know, I was doing self-exams. I was getting, I started mammograms early because of my history. So I was on alert. Um, but after I had been, I was nursing and I tended to get clogged milk ducts. I thought I had one after I did my treatment, you know, the, the warm compresses and all things you do when you have clogged milk ducts. I had this spot where I put my hand when I nursed, like under my breast, I would put my hand there and that's when I felt this and it wouldn't go away. So that's when I got checked. I was assured there's no way this is breast cancer. Don't you worry. This is, we're only, we're only really pursuing this because of your history. Well, guess what? It was breast cancer. And Ben was, uh, eight weeks old. Jonah was two and Chloe was four. So this was, it was terrible. It was obviously very scary, but the type of cancer that they thought it was, um, was still completely within the duct and they didn't think it had spread anywhere. So all I had to get through, I made this decision to have a double mastectomy because of this history that I had. And even if I didn't have, even if there was no chance it had spread, the chance that I would get it again was very high. And I was tested for the gene, but I had not gotten the results back when I made the decision to have a double mastectomy because whether or not I had the gene, I had something happening in my genetic you know, family history. So I made that decision. And so in my mind, I just, I kind of just had to get through the mastectomy and then I could just get back to my life. Well, after the mastectomy, which actually went very badly and I ended up in a, having to go to, um, what are they called? Uh, those, those chambers that people with bends go into, I'm completely not thinking of what the word is. It's like an oxygen tank to help me heal. Things went very badly. There were several, several surgeries involved, but the worst news was, is the fact that it had gotten out of the duct and that I was going to have to do chemo. So I had six months of just absolute kick butt chemo and the saving grace here, um, there were several, but the biggest one is that my sister-in-law Megan, who lived in Idaho, she's married to my brother, Tim. 
she took a leave of absence from her job and she came and lived with us to take care of my kids. Is that like the most amazing selfless thing ever? I will owe her forever. She is like the sister of my heart and couldn't, I could not love her more. And, um, so that was such a saving grace, but this is the part where it was a very hard time, but there are so many blessings. It's one of those times where your priorities become crystal clear and it's just all about people and relationships and family. And we just kind of circled the wagons and stayed home and did what we needed to do to fight. And my, um, my best friend, Christy arranged for meals for, to be delivered to us. Like she created this whole, like, um, list of like the first week of the month, she and her mom and her sister would make us meals. The second week of the month, um, where my husband worked, they took turns making us meals. The third week of the month, my church brought meals. And the fourth week, this, um, particular women's Bible study, um, brought us meals. So we had meals covered for, I didn't cook a meal for five months. It was crazy. So we were just, we were, we were really so blessed. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things. I get really uncomfortable when people go, oh, you're so strong or, you, you know, you're an inspiration. And all I want to say is there's just no choice. You put one foot in front of the other and you just keep going. And, and I have to say that even though it was a really hard time to have cancer with these little kids, um, it was also really a blessing because I, I love to say that I never had any time to feel sorry for myself because somebody always needed juice. You know, there was always something to do, always somebody, always something to keep you humble and know that this diaper needs to be changed. This kid needs to be read a book. We need to go for a walk. We just need to do these things to keep our lives moving. So anyways, um, in, in brief, that's kind of how the, the story went. And it's been 15 and a half years. And I feel very blessed that... Um, you know, that it, that the story has ended happily. <laughs> and so I encourage you to get your mammograms, do your self exams. Um, I was not eligible for an, a mammogram because I had been nursing before I got pregnant with Ben. And then, you know, I had been, I would not have gotten a mammogram for probably another couple of years. And so it was up to me to find that, that spot and, um, find that lump. So definitely, um, you know, I just encourage you to do that because with breast cancer, early detection is everything. And the treatments these days, as much as they're not fun to go through, um, you know, they're very effective and they have a very high cure rate. So that is my public service announcement for the week. I guess I didn't really talk too much about the book, but it's a great book to uh, kind of rein your spending in, to get your priorities straight. I found a lot of this little frugal living tips that um, have helped me kind of you know, just make sure that we're not being um, frivolous in our spending, that we're being good stewards of our money as we've got um, these kids that are just going through the, you know, I'm in the final four years of having a child at home. Let's not go into that before I start crying, but I want to be here. I, you know, the way we live and the rundown cars that we drive enable me to just work part-time from home so that I'm here. And when the kids get home from school and that's just, that's important to me. So, um, definitely check that book out. If, if you were interested, I really enjoyed it. So lastly, um, 
I just wanted to talk a little bit about how I have been bit by the gardening bug. And this is something that um, I have avoided the last couple of years. We have always had a garden. We've lived in this house for 22 years and we have a, we have had a garden every year except maybe the year that I was being treated for cancer. Now that I think about it, we might have let it go that year. We let a lot of things go that year. But um, I love having, and when I say garden, I mean a vegetable garden. We always have, you know, planters full of flowers and, and things like that. But, you know, as I have gotten into other hobbies, like sewing and knitting and things like that, you know, there's just only, only so many hours in the day. So I, my interest waned. I used to be a very avid gardener. But it gets hard in those years where your weekends are really full of basketball, soccer, baseball, fencing, ice skating, you know, all the things that you have to do to, you know, for the, for these kids. And so it would just be hard to carve out that time, do that all day on a Saturday, especially when you got three kids and there's often three different activities going. And then that's just leave Sunday, you know, so I kind of let that go. I also have quite a reputation, um, with my husband anyways, of getting really excited about gardens and planting them enthusiastically and then immediately losing interest and so he is left watering weeding frankly harvesting and saying use these tomatoes to me you know so um yeah i i enjoy i enjoy gardening in my mind sometimes more than the reality of it but things are easier now in many ways now that we have saturdays free because sports are through school i mean just a lot of saturdays are, are more free so we decided we were going to do a little bit more of an ambitious garden this year. Not overly ambitious, but so a couple weeks ago, um, I don't even know where, I was somewhere on a Saturday and my husband got the boys to rip out the garden, to rip out the weeds and the wild nasturtiums that were in there and just loosen up the soil. And this was like, this is my concept of family service hour at its best, because then last weekend, um, he and I went to the garden center and we picked out what we were going to get and a bunch of soil amendments. And then, um, Joan, I think had something to go to at like 12 and, and it's like quarter to 11. We're like, Oh, we're losing our workforce here. But we texted like, we are on our way home. Be ready to go. When we get there, we got home, we dumped all this peat moss and all these soil amendments into the garden and handed them shovels. <laughs> I love having these able-bodied teenage boys. And between them turning the soil, my husband got in there, did that. I had the rake to smooth it out, which is probably the most shoddily done part of the whole operation. We had this, how big is it? I think it's about um, eight by 20 feet or something. This, this, you know, very modest garden, but we had it prepped and ready for planting in like 15 or 20 minutes like this thing that would take us hours before it was amazing and then we cut them loose and um and we finally got planting and I'm so excited about the stuff that we planted over the years I have figured out what we use and what we don't I no longer plant carrots and radishes and garlic and onions I just as much as I want to be that person that goes out at night and pulls the carrots and radishes from the ground to have in our salad that night. I just don't do it. I don't do it. Well, we have very clayey soil, but after 22 years of amending, it's not that bad. But the carrots used to come out just like these little round balls because the, 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 the ground was not sort of loose enough. But we planted 
three blackberry bushes, um, which I'm very, very excited about. We used to have a blackberry bush all the years the kids growing up, and I apologize to any of you in the Pacific Northwest who consider a blackberry bush a weed, but we love them. And I just have all these amazing pictures of the kids when they were little, like after dinner, walking out to the garden and just like gorging on blackberries with little stains running down their face and everything. But the last blackberry bush bush sort of uh, gave up the ghost a couple of years ago. And I don't know why we didn't replant it right away because I wasn't interested in gardening. That's why. But we have now with three different varieties. So I'm excited about that. And then they won't really do anything this year. That will be, and they will uh, really bear fruit next year. So I planted sunflower seeds between them and that will cover up the big wall that is back there. We planted um, five varieties of tomatoes and I planted marigolds all around those. There's a lot of flowers in this vegetable garden. Um, we were gonna do a bean teepee, which we used to do when the kids were little. And again, I have these pictures of them sitting inside the bean teepee. Um, but when we got to the garden center, um, they had strawberries. So we're going to do a strawberry patch instead. And every year, the one thing we do pretty consistently is, I, this sounds probably kind of weird to some people, is we grow jalapenos and my husband pickles them in these jars and we eat them year round and we run, we run out of them. We love them so much. So we've got some of those going. And I did plant, um, I got this variety pack of lettuce seeds that I planting between the peppers because I think they will come up sooner. And so I am going to slightly indulge my fantasy of going outside to clip lettuce for our salad. Maybe I should, you know, as long as I'm having the fantasy, maybe I should throw some carrots and radish seeds in the ground too. But um, I have had kind of a successful lettuce cutting garden before. And um, so we'll see if that really works. So I'm very excited about that. So that kind of just like took all my creative energy um, last weekend, did no sewing or anything but now that's in the ground we're watering it and as we continue to kind of work our way around the backyard weeding and you know replanting and things like that um that that garden can continue to thrive but i'm really enjoying just being outside um i'm, I'm resisting sitting in the, the sewing machine right now because I feel stupid sitting inside when it is 72 degrees and beautiful outside, you know what I mean? So that's why I need things like knitting and handwork so that I can indulge this um, passion I have for creating, but, but do it outside, preferably, you know, with a glass of wine. <laughs> so that's kind of what's going on. Um, so I, it was just to me, re that realization that we have these able-bodied boys and they were so, so helpful. I'm like, no, we're losing one. We're just, we're going to be down to one next year <laughs> as Jonah goes off to college. But before that happens, I'm going to invoke the family service hour for washing all the windows in this house because now that it's spring, that needs to be done. And um, I just love how I feel like the light changes when, you're, when it's not being filtered through grimy windows. So that just about does it for this episode. Thank you again for sharing this time with me. I feel honored that you um, allow me to share this time with you. Make sure to subscribe so that you know when new episodes come out, usually every other week. And um, leave me a comment, a review, a rating. I really appreciate it. Have a lovely day.